How many feel the Spirit of the Lord in this house this morning? How many are thankful you are in the presence of the Lord this morning? How many enjoy what you feel in this house this morning? Aren't you glad that you decided to get up and get ready and come to the house of the Lord? When we're done today, when I'm done preaching the word that the Lord has laid upon my spirit, your life is going to be changed. You're going to be encouraged. God has got something for each and every one of you if we'll just open our ears. The Bible says, to him that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit is already speaking because his Spirit and his voice are one. It's already moving in this house. I want us to pray one more time before we read in our, our text today. And um, I want us to pray that God would anoint our minds and our, our, our ears that we would hear and our minds that we would have clarity. They would hear what God would want us to say and that we would be encouraged by it. I know you have your Bibles in your hands, but would you just lift up that free hand and your voice with me now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you. We believe you now that you're going to touch in this house, that you've brought us here for this appointed time, for such a time as this, that Lord, that is, is not by happenstance, but God, you divinely created this day, for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And now, Lord, I pray for those that are under the sound of my voice and our church online. I pray now, God, that your word would be that two-edged sword that it is and penetrate the hearts and the minds of the people today. Let there be a response not to me, Lord, but to your word because your word is life-changing. Your word is life. Your word is hope. And let that be established in this house today in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. Turning in your Bibles, I have two portions of scriptures today, and I will read quickly because um, it, it's more more than your traditional one or two verses. It's First, first Corinthians chapter ten. We'll read verse one through five, and then we're going to flip to Exodus the seventeenth chapter. Amen. Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they that drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness exodus chapter 17 beginning at verse 1 and all the congregation of the children of israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the lord and pitched in rephidim there was no water for the people to drink wherefore the people did chide with moses and said give us water that we may drink and moses said unto them why chide with me Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, 
And take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod. And wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Verse 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. This morning I want to preach to you on this subject title, Smitten. 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 I just feel one more time we need to pray unto the Lord. Would you just lift your hands and your voice right now? Would you call on Him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Exodus chapters 15, 16, and 17 record the first tentative steps of the great wilderness journey of the Israelites. These chapters come after the Lord brought the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Pharaoh. They've passed through the Red Sea and now we find ourselves at 15, 16. And 17. These three chapters are joined together by the conjunction and, each chapter building upon the former and establishes the foundations of the provision of God for that wilderness journey. Exodus chapter 15 details how their first destination in the wilderness was Marah, where the waters were bitter, but God turned those bitter, unhealthy waters sweet. And he made a promise there to the nation of Israel that he will be their healer throughout this whole wilderness journey. We come to Exodus chapter 16. However, it brings the Hebrews to Elim where there were 12 wells of fresh water, but there was no bread for the people. It is in this chapter that the children of Abraham quickly forget how that God miraculously delivered them from Egypt and how he had just turned bitter water sweet and how the Lord God their Jehovah Jireh has promised that he would be their healer. Instead now we find the people, the nation of Israel, those that have passed through the Red Sea, those that have just seen bitter waters turn sweet. We now find their focus on the absence of bread and they begin to murmur and complain. They murmur and complain that Moses has brought them there to die. It is in the 16th chapter that God responds to their faithless accusation by once again establishing the testimony of His power. In a mighty miracle of creation, the Lord began to cause bread to rain down from heaven. He promised that by this miraculous manna, He would provide for the hunger of His people throughout all their years in the wilderness. Finally, Exodus chapter 17 It brings us to their next destination upon their journey, which is Rephidim. In Rephidim, there is no water. We once again find the Hebrew nation demonstrating their lack of faith in God as they began to murmur and they began to complain about the lack of water. You would eventually think that 
that it would dawn on them, okay, God's got this, that God's going to take care of this situation. I'm now faced with another circumstance that I don't have an answer for. You would think that the bitter water's sweet and bread falling out of the heaven, but now they find themselves once again with no water. You would think that they would say, the Lord's got this. I mean, they just left springs of sweet water. They just had tummies that are full of bread that settles upon the dew of the ground. And somehow they think that God, who has done all of this, is not going to provide in a dry place. I mean, how spiritually blind can they be? They followed a pillar of cloud to Rephidim. God brought them there. They had enough faith to get from where they were, one provision, one miracle, to the next place knowing that something that was going to be sustainable and that would sustain them would keep them but they find themselves there with no water. They're standing there in Rephidim. Now God knew there was no water in Rephidim. He knew that there was nothing there for them to, to quench their thirst. He knew before they ever got there that there were not any springs of refreshing. Let me pause for a moment and encourage somebody today. Whatever situation you're standing in today, the Lord already knew that that situation was going to be in your life. He already knew that you were going to face that. You need to put your feet on the floor and and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? God already knew what he was doing to the nation of Israel. What, what is God doing in these three chapters is he's establishing his credentials. You would think that there may be somewhere along the way a more discerning among them that would begin to realize that every impossible situation has been fabricated by the will of God. That God has brought them there to show them what he can do. What Where God has brought you is not so you can die in your dilemma. It's so God can be glorified. It's so that the Lord can be lifted up and say, look what the Lord has done. Every miracle that comes from God is divinely planted so you can keep moving forward. God did not design you to wander in the wilderness. God did not design you to die in your dilemma. No, God designed you to take a step of faith and say, I've been here before and I know that Jehovah Jireh is not on a short supply of miracles. That if God did it before, he'll do it again. If God did it once again, he did it now. If God can do it in the Bible, God can do it in 2021. Somebody shout yes. Hear me when I say this this morning. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves. The Bible says that David had to encourage himself in the Lord. We need to remind ourselves that when we find that dry and that barren place, that we did not get there by our own hand, that our footsteps are ordered of the Lord, and that he establishes all of our ways. 
We can blame other people. We can blame ourselves. We can blame our circumstances. But mark my words, where you find yourself in that place that tries your faith, God is the one that brought you there. When you find yourself in a barren valley, when you find yourself dry and thirsty and longing for a quench of his spirit, when you find that your faith has been tested, you can rest assured today that God knows who he is and he knows how powerful you are in him and you just need to lift your hands and trust in him lean on him lean in his word lean in his spirit lean on him because he knows know this if God brought you to it God will bring you through it because God will never take you to a place where his grace will not meet you there He said, I, I, I'll never send you a place where the I myself will not go. So wherever situation you're in this morning, whatever you're facing today, you just know you may not feel him now, but the Lord is on his way. You may not can feel him when you're in the prayer room, but God is about to show up. I'm telling somebody today, the Lord is about to show up this morning and there's going to be miracles, signs, and wonders. It's not predicated upon how good I'm preaching. It's predicated upon your faith, upon your ability to lift your voice and to trust God in a dry place. Hey! Turn to your neighbor and tell him he hasn't forsaken you. He didn't bring you to the wilderness to die. He hasn't led you to this valley and hasten your demise. What about the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Can I tell you, no matter where you go, goodness and mercy is right behind you. No matter what you're walking into today, goodness and mercy is right behind you. You're never alone. You're never by yourself. The Lord is always following you. Now imagine Moses leading these great people, stretch forth his rod, the waters part. Miriam dances on the other side. Tambourines in the Bible. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That's the only place they were ever in the Bible. Amen. And now we're in the, we're in the wilderness. We're wandering around sometimes because of our own voice. God wants to take us to the promise, but yet we can't seem to trust his promise. And then we do what the people did. They chided with Moses and they tempted God. They demonstrated that in spite of the miraculous provision of God, which they had already seen, that they were not willing to trust God. There's always something in our flesh that simply does not trust God. It's something we have to subdue in prayer. It's called a carnal man. Amen. There's something in our flesh that our humanity that is always looking for an excuse to doubt God. Oh, hello. <laughs> Guilty as charged. It's so much easier to complain about it than to praise about it. Because when I praise about it, I can't assimilate a party called pity. 
Two things about a pity party. Nobody comes and you don't get any presents. But we enjoy them. Because it's attention. We want attention. But the Lord is calling us to get the attention off of us and our our situations, our issues, and focus it vertically on Him. And that's exactly what the Hebrews did. They, They were looking for every out to blame God. And even as they ate the manna... And no, I did not study this sermon with the intent of speaking about manna. I'm known as the food preacher, I guess. There, I said food. Chick-fil-A's of the Lord. <laughs> I figured somebody would run the aisles right there. I mean, thank you, Jesus. I mean, imagine the nation of Israel gathered around over two million and they wake up and bread is there. And they're sitting there and they're chomping on the bread. Mm, man, this is good bread. And they walk up and they step into Rephidim. And they're like, boy, this bread, ooh, Lord, I know you provided it, but it sure is dry. <laughs> I sure could use some water right now. There ain't no why. Why they got the blessing. Why they got the miracle in their possession. They got the miracle in their possession. They're walking to the next destination. And they're complaining about what they don't have instead of rejoicing about where they are and what they do have. We got to be careful that we're not carrying around a miracle complaining about where God has brought us. We got to be careful that we're not walking in the overflow and we're worried about what hasn't come yet. Be still and see the salvation of the Lord. God is on his way. So Moses cries out, all the people are eating bread. I, I mean, this is how my brain works. I'm looking at it and I just see him eating bread and morsels are flying out. Moses, we're just complaining. Bread's hitting Moses in the face. He can't hear the complaints. I know that's just how my mind works. And it, it, it's coming. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, back up. Two million breadcrumbs coming at you. And Moses does what only a leader knows to do sometimes. He cried out to the Lord. This answer came in Exodus 17 and 6. Moses said, oh God, they're chiding with me. I don't know what's going on, Lord. I mean, I I don't know what's happening here, but they about to stone me. And Moses cries out to the Lord, and the Lord says this in 17 and 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders. Now, this is different. This isn't like the other two miracles. The miracle of healing that was set in motion in Exodus 15 would encompass the next 40 years. The miracle in Exodus 16 would never run out for the next 40 years. And here, God is getting ready to make the same kind of continual miraculous provision. But this time, here is the difference. God said, I'm going to actively involve myself in the miracle. He did not say to Moses, go up, tell the people that I'll make it rain water every morning. All they have to do is to wake up and grab their cup and hold it out and I'll provide it. God did not tell Moses to do that. 
He told Moses, he said, you go and you go before the rock in Horeb and you smite the rock and I'll be standing there. He could have done that. He could have said, I'm going to cause the rain to fall and all they have to do is take it. That would have been sufficient. But that was not the Lord's answer. This time the miracle involved a rock. What sets this miracle apart is the fact that the rock had to be smitten before the miraculous provision could flow. Watch this. God said, I will stand before thee there upon the rock and thou shalt smite the rock. God stood on the rock. The glory cloud that symbolized the presence of God moved over the rock and God's shadow, that rock, with his glory. And when Moses took that rock, that rod, and he swung his rod to strike that rock, his rod had to pass through the cloud. Hmm. Had to pass through the cloud to hit the rock. He, in effect, smote God when he smote the rock. And it was the smiting of the rock that caused the water to flow. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 4, Paul, writing under the divine inspiration, gives us the spiritual insight into what's hap happening that day. Here's what Paul said. And all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that flowed, that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So to get the full impact for this, for you this morning, step back and see the bigger picture here. The, the, the children of Abraham were unfaithful. They tempted God. They chided Moses. They had the audacity to partake of the provision of God, but still murmur and complain. They were so stirred up that the scripture tells us that they were ready to stone Moses. They were in the wrong. They violated the very character of God, questioned the very motives and the ability of God's ability to provide. But here's the crux of the story. When they should have been smitten, when the nation of Israel should have been struck down, when judgment should have been turned loose against them, God stood in their place. Hmm. God overshadowed the rock. God said, Moses, you take the rod and you smite the rock. And Moses, when you smite that rock, you're going to go through my glory. And when you go through me and you smite me and you come through me and you hit that rock, water began to flow from me. When he should have killed them in wrath, he showed them mercy. When God should have loosed his judgment, he showed them grace. When you should have died in your sins, God saved you. When you should be lost and undone, God put you back together. Because God stood in your place. Huh. Ah, oh my God, I hope you got that. I hope you understand that. God said, I want to be involved in this miracle because this miracle is a prophetical miracle. It's a prophetic miracle that whenever you smite me, whenever I am stricken and smitten, there's going to come a flow out of me. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said that rock was Christ. 
So when God overshadowed that rock, it was typical of Jesus Christ. You see, God alone knew this perfect plan would require one day that he should overshadow the Virgin Mary. He would overshadow Mary and conceive within her womb a child. And the Bible says his name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He is the rock. He is our savior. He is our strong tower. Corinthians says in 2 Corinthians, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses upon unto them, just like God overshadowed the rock. God was in Christ Jesus, not counting my sins against me, but standing in my place, not looking at me and saying, Tim, you should die for what you've done. You should not be saved for what you've done but the Lord said in this last greatest miracle I'm going to step in your place and when you should be knocked down and destroyed you're not going to be when you should be tearing apart verbally you're not going to be because I the Lord am going to stand in your place I don't know how many thankful people I got under the sound of my voice right now I don't know who's saved I don't know who's been brought out of the miry clay I don't know whose foot has been put on that rock that overflows with the refreshing of God's spirit if you're if you're saved you ought to shout about it if you're you ought to dance if you haven't danced in a while you ought to just leap for joy we should have died. We should not be here today. But God gave us mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, I prophesied Isaiah, looking through the ages, saw... This wonderful Savior. And here's what he said of him in Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet, yet, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes... We are healed. That means your healing doesn't have to come. It's already established. God already established your miracle. He has already established your healing. He's already established your provision. He's already put in place everything you need. All you have to do is to step into the flow. Step where the water's running. Step where the rock has been smitten. He bore my griefs. He carries my sorrows. And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was smitten for my transgression. He was smitten for my iniquities. He was smitten for my peace. He was smitten for my healing. The rock that was struck by the command of God. And when the water, when that rock was struck, the water began to flow from it. The smitten rock produced rivers of water. The water couldn't flow until that rock was smitten. So in the seventh chapter of John, Jesus stood up in the middle 
of the great feast. And he cried saying, if any man thirst, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. (laughs) This may be your first time in an apostolic Pentecostal style service. You may not understand everything you're feeling. And you may look at this crazy preacher and say, man, he is really screaming a lot. You may not understand what you're feeling, but I've come to tell you that you're here because you're thirsty. You're here because you're looking for something that you were not aware that you were really looking for. But because the Lord stood on a rock that was smitten a long time ago. Because God hung on a cross between heaven and hell a long time ago and was smitten. You can sit in this place today and freely receive the very quench for your thirst. John wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and includes a footnote in the 39th verse. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The water that flows from the rock is the typical of the Holy Ghost. It couldn't flow until that rock was smitten. It wasn't given yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. The prophet Isaiah said this. Here's what he's trying to tell us. The healing water of the Holy Ghost only flows from a smitten rock. Jesus had to be stricken. God had to be smitten. He had to be afflicted because that's where my soul's healing's flow comes from. That's where the refreshing for my soul comes from. That's where the springs of everlasting water come from. They come from a smitten rock. Everything I need comes from the rock. Everything that I have to have in my life to sustain me comes from a rock that has to be smitten. See, when Moses struck that rock, a tremendous thing happened. Water came from it. It wasn't a trickle. It wasn't just a drip. The Bible says it wasn't even a small spring. The psalmist said it this way in 105.41. He opened. He opened the rock. And the waters what? Gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. So be not dismayed this morning. You may have came in here only because you know that's what you ought to do on Sunday. You may have came in here today because everything is going all right in your life. But there's going to come a dry place in your life. There's going to come a time in your life where you can't feel him. Can anybody but me testify to that? There's going to come a time in your life where you come to church and no one talks to you. No one responds to you. No one embraces you. It's just you and the Lord. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to step into this place, into that back prayer room, and you're going to pray, and you're going to sweat, and you're going to cry, and you're going to try to feel God, but you're not going to feel Him. You just know this, that the Bible says, that the psalmist said, that because he opened, he was smitten, he opened the rock. And the waters gushed out. 
And everything that was dry is now saturated. There's a saturation coming to New Life Fellowship. There is a saturation of anointing that's coming to New Life Fellowship. Hear me. There's a saturation of blessing of finances that's coming to New Life Fellowship. There's a saturation of the miracles and the signs and the wonders that are coming to New Life Fellowship. There is a saturation of Bible studies that is coming to New Life Fellowship. We're not just building a building for the sake of having a building. We're building a building because we know a God that was once smitten and now we're experiencing the overflow of his spirit hallelujah I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what's happening in us in this facility. I'm excited about what's happening in our city. I'm excited at what's happening in the spirit world. And the best is yet to come. There was nothing, nothing, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing lacking in the provision of God. There was an abundance. It was more than enough. King David would later say it this way. That the cup was running over. In the Old Testament, David said my cup overflows. In the New Testament, the Bible says you will draw from a well that will not run dry. He said there's a river that's flowing that will never stop flowing. Paul details this far-reaching effect, far-reaching effects of that miracle. God did not just make the provision for that day just like he did with the manna, but God loosed a flow of provision that lasted 40 years. Paul said that spiritual rock followed them. It was there everywhere they went in every trial. There were waters of refreshing. In every valley, they found sweet springs of lively water. In every hardship, the provision of God was there just as the manna fell from heaven. God provided for their thirst. Jesus Christ was that rock. He was that rock that followed them through the wilderness every step of the way. As often as necessary, the rock was there. Whenever they needed it, the rock was there. Paul said they drank of that spiritual rock. The verb form in the Greek is continuous. They were continually drinking from the rock. They continually drank from the rivers of God's grace that flowed from a rock that it was smitten. It doesn't have to be the same physical rock every time. It did not have to be the same stone itself that followed them. It was an idea, ideology of that it was God. Rock was Christ. He was the constant provider. It wasn't just by, sta- by happenstance or chance that they camped by the springs of water in the barren wilderness. Christ was that rock. It wasn't just by chance that they found still waters and green pastures in the midst of a forsaken desert. Christ was that rock. It wasn't an accident that they found the refreshing cool water each day of their journey through the hardship and the harsh environments known to man. He was their rock. He was that rock that followed them. He was their provision. He was their way maker. He was the source of life giving water that carried them through their journey. He was that rock. Let me come to a conclusion this morning. I'm, I'm slowing down. I'm landing the plane. The landing gear is out. There's hope in the distance. The light at the end of the... I don't know that we want that one. 
You have a rock that follows you. You have a provider that watches over you. Don't despair. He has not abandoned you. Don't lose faith now. He's not forsaken you. He brought you to this trial and He's going to bring you through it. He brought you into this valley not so you could feel death and and a spirit of fear. He brought you into the valley so when you're walking, you know that He's right behind you. He orders your footsteps. He's divine in what He's brought you to your current life situation. And you know this without a shadow of a doubt. He's more than able to provide for you right where you are because He is the rock that continuously pours out. Isaiah 41, 17, when the poor and the needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make a wilderness a pool of water and the dry springs of water. He is that rock that follows you this morning in good times, in bad times, he's there. No matter what you're facing right now, God is there. No matter where your life has taken you or taken you through, He's always followed you. He's following you now. He's right beside you where you sit. He's behind you. He's in front of you. He's preparing a way. He's going to provide when you don't know where it comes from. When you try to run from God, He's going to follow you. You can run from him, but you cannot hide from him. When you stray from your path, he follows you. When you're less than faithful, he's there. He's the rock. He's the rock that follows you. Paul in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and all drink the same spiritual drink. But then he begins verse 5 this way. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were all partakers of the goodness of God. They all drank from the waters. They all ate the manna. They all saw the mighty miracles of God. They all received the multiple, multiplied blessings of God. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Even though they saw blessing after blessing, God was never pleased with them. Even though they experienced mercy upon mercy, God was not pleased with them. Even though they could tell firsthand of the miraculous preservation of God, God was not pleased with them. They saw bread fall out of the sky. They saw water flow from a rock. And yet, they murmured and they complained. They were so fixated on the provisions, they they forgot about the provider. They became so accustomed to the miraculous that they were able to drink from streams that were provided by God, eat manna that they did not bake, that fell from heaven, and still 
They doubted God. They became so apathetic about spiritual things that even though the spiritual rock followed them, they quit following Him. They lost out with God because of it. They became so fixated on the troubles and the trials that they had allowed their hearts to doubt the very rock that constantly followed them. Understand this morning what I'm telling you. My heart's heavy today as I've prayed and fasted this week. I'm reaching for someone, somebody, many people. That you're losing your way. My heart is heavy for the fact that you've given up because God hasn't answered your prayer yet. You've kind of fell away a little bit because the provision hasn't been given by the provider. But hear what I'm fixing to tell you. He's not abandoned you. He's not turned his back on you. Trust me, hear me. I'm telling you from a, as they say today, a POV, personal perspective. There's times where you can struggle with abandonment. You can struggle with insecurities. You can struggle with internal issues in your life. And you can think that because you can't see God, Because when you don't feel Him, you automatically go that He's abandoned you. But He'll never turn His back on you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's a father to the fatherless. He went to Calvary and He died for you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. You just have to be still and see God work. You have to wait on the Lord and watch Him. Let Him. Could you let God do what God wants to do this morning in your life? Let me tell you what life is about. It's not about valleys. It's not about storms. It's not about the trials. It's not about the wilderness journey. It's not about the miracles. It's not even about the provision or the lack thereof. It's all about your soul. It's all about us being right with God. What good if I gain the whole world and I lose my own soul? The truth is that an entire generation of Hebrews failed to see that it's not about the hunger in the wilderness. It's not about the thirst. It's not about the disease that they came in in contact with. It's all about the condition of their soul. See, the Hebrews learned to see God as their provider. They learned that God was just a way maker. Let me put it in our perspective. They learned that God is only there when you're in trouble. And that's the only time we talk to him. They learned to see Him as a source of bread rather than a source of strength. It became an institution of their religion, but they never learned to see Him as the the Savior of their soul. See, you can go to heaven hungry. You can go to heaven thirsty. You can go to heaven with sickness in your body. Because it's never about the physical bread or the physical water. It's always about the spiritual bread and the spiritual water. They never got that and they lost out with God because of it. Because they viewed the tabernacle, the kingdom of God, God as a place, an establishment of provision rather than a restoration for their soul. 
Hear me now, when our trials cause us to murmur against God, it's a good sign that we've got the emphasis in the wrong place. When our trouble causes me to lose my faith in God, it's a good sign that I'm focused on the wrong thing. When the storm clouds of my life cause me to doubt the very hand of God in my life, it's when my soul hangs in the balance. We need to make up in our mind this morning like Job did, though he slay me. <laughs> though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Job said, I looked on my left, he was not there. I looked on my right, he was not there. I looked behind me, he was not there. I could not see him. His wife even told him, why don't you curse God and die? But Job had the mentality, I'm not going to curse God and die. I'm going to bless him and live. I don't know why I'm in the situation I'm in, God. I don't know why I lost everything. I don't know why I'm covered in boils and, and I'm, I'm covered in pain. But I'm here in your presence and I'm not going to curse you and die. I'm not going to give up in my dry place. I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to say thank you Lord. You've been good to me. You've made ways where there was no way. You've done things when I didn't ask for you to do them. I want to give him praise for where he's brought me from. See it's my trust in God. If my trust in God is conditional that is the evidence of a much deeper spiritual problem. The Bible says they were all recipients of the blessing, but most of them died in their unbelief. I'm coming to a close right now as the music comes and you stand with me. I've come today with a twofold purpose in my spirit. I came to remind some of you that there's a rock that follows you. That be not dismayed, be not discouraged that there is help on the way. I've come to remind you that your rock is always with you. I want to remind you that because his body was broken, that there is a flow of anointing and refreshing, a water bubbling forth in this house today. I feel him right now in this room. I feel him so near and God in just a few moments, if you will open up yourself, if you will open up your heart, if you will push fear down and say, I know I need to go to the front, but I'm afraid to. If you'll just stop letting that hold you hostage in the seat and in, in any moment you walk to this front, God has got to overflow for you. There are springs of living water that are going to come flooding in in just a few minutes some of you are going to get refreshed some of you are going to speak in tongues and it's been a while since you've done that and some of you are going to step to this front maybe for the very first time and God's going to forgive you of your sins and as you're worshiping and praying the Lord's going to pour out that water in your life and you're going to speak in another language that you were not taught Paul told the church at Corinth, but I keep my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means. When I preach to others, I find myself should be a castaway. I'm compelled today to urge you to remember who you serve, what is done for you. Don't become so overwhelmed by your circumstance, lest you become castaway. 
Don't make the mistake of handling the things of God lightly. Don't take every service lightly. Young people, hear me. There's an anointing on your lives. There's a calling on your lives. I know you hear that a lot. Trust me, I know. I was young a long time ago. In my mind, I'm still close to your age. There's an anointing on you that are in the youth group and elevate and the young adults. Do not get caught up in the spirit of our society that says you got to seek for provision when you have a provider. Don't always come to church expecting God to provide the miracle. You just come and worship the provider and the provision is, will flow. You make it your statement in your life that I'm going to serve the Lord. Then I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give my life if I'm the only one. I'm going to do it. This morning, I, I, I feel to say in my spirit that we, we cannot get comfortable. We cannot grow comfortable and complacent in the blessings that have been provided by God. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I know that this is not maybe generally how we, we, you, you do, but I'm, I'm reaching for somebody today. Somebody that would be honest with God and honest with herself. And you would just take that step out of your seat. No one's looking right now. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to question what's going on in your life. All you have to do is make your way to this altar this morning. And you lift your hands. You have nothing to hang your head about. You have no shame, no guilt. You walk to this altar and you know that the Lord went to Calvary. And that rock was smitten. That he was struck 39 times for your healing. That that cross, that Calvary was for your salvation. That everything that's going on in your life and is going on in your life, that God is going to come. He's going to make it away. I believe he's calling us to a place of consecration. He's calling us to a place of rededication right now. Now lift your hands with your voice as your eyes are closed and begin to talk to him. I need prayer warriors to come to this altar right now. The Lord is in this house. Some of you are walking up here and you you yourself are smitten. You feel like you've been beat down and bruised by life. But the Lord says, I've already been there. I've already provided everything you need. I've already done everything you have in need of and praying for. I have what you need today. I have everything you need today. There is a rock that's followed you here this morning. And he wants you to come and surrender. This altar's open. This altar's open. I implore you. We got to drink of the same spiritual drink. We got to eat of the same spiritual meat. We got to reach out to God. We got to call out to his name this morning. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on, the Lord is calling you in this house.